Hey everybody, my name is Chris McDaniel, the lead pastor here at Trinity, and we're thankful to have you join us for church today. Before I read from the book of Exodus and share some of the thinking that the Lord has put on my heart regarding the word today in this Lenten season, I just want to note the tragedy that's happened in our city over the last number of days. Uh, on the day of this recording, we're just a couple of days out from um, the senseless murder of a number of people at three massage parlors in Atlanta. And I just want to take a moment to pray for those who are grieving uh, and specifically pray for uh, friends of ours who are feeling um, sad and worried and anxious about the threat of violence going on, specifically our Asian American friends. Let's go to the Lord before we read and pray. Father, we know that you are able to hold in your hands uh, the pain of the world and the pain that each and every one of us has to sit with from time to time. And we pray, God, that you would hold us here in Atlanta in your hand. Father, we don't claim to understand why people commit senseless and horrific acts of violence. But we ask, God, that you would have mercy on those who are grieving and hurting. And God, I specifically pray for our Asian American friends who have felt uh, overlooked, uh, felt maybe under threat uh, through this whole period of COVID and all that comes, Lord, where that's culminated this last week and a lot of anxiety and pain. I just pray for your peace, Holy Spirit. We ask God for your comfort and we ask for your help and your healing, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Y'all, I believe that it's our job to pray for the world's hurt. And I would just ask you to pray in the days and weeks ahead that the Lord would see us all through this and that he would protect our city and the people who call this city home. Amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Exodus 12. I'm going to begin reading in verse 21, and then we're going to read to 32 and jump to some reading at the end. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go select lambs for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood in the basin. None of you shall go outside the door of your house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike down the Egyptians. When he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over that door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you down. You shall observe this rite as a perpetual ordinance for you and your children. When you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he promised, you shall keep this observance. And when your children ask you, what do you mean by this observance? You shall say, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord. For he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt when he struck down the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed down and worshiped. The Israelites went and did just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the prisoner, who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. Pharaoh arose in the night, and he and all his officials and all the Egyptians, and there was a loud cry in Egypt, for there was not a house without someone dead. And then he summoned Moses and Aaron in the night and said, Rise up, go away. From my people, both you and the Israelites, go and worship the Lord as you said. Take your flocks and your herds as you said and be gone and bring a blessing upon me too. Let's skip down to verse 40. The time that the Israelites had lived in Egypt was 430 years. 
at the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the companies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. That was for the Lord a night of vigil to bring them out of the land of Egypt. That same night is a vigil to be kept for the Lord by all the Israelites throughout all their generations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, we pray that you would give us peace to hear your word and to ask real, honest questions about what this means, Lord, for us as we live our lives today and what it meant for our friends, the Jews, who walked out of Egypt into freedom. God, help us to find our story in that story. And also, Lord, help us to celebrate that story for what it is. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So y'all, as we continue our Lenten journey uh, through Exodus, we're reminded of the fact that this is a critical moment in that process where the Jews were now going to be set free. They were going to be uh, able to walk right out of bondage and into freedom. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to name a number of things in this passage. I believe truth here will help you and me see the way the Lord wants to work in our own lives. And it's also worth noting that Um, on Saturday of this coming week. Um, So if you're with us on Sunday, then just six days from now, the Jewish Passover begins. So this is actually a really timely word for us to consider what Jews all over the world are going to be observing and celebrating the Passover. So here's the first thing I want to say to you. The Exodus, not just the book, but the action of Exodus reminds us that there is always a terminus to suffering. Suffering always comes to an end. And if you've been with us over the last number of weeks, you know that God has heard the pain of the Jews. We're told in the Bible that they cried out to the Lord and that the Lord actually listened to them and determined to do something about it. So he sends Moses and Aaron and they declare to Pharaoh over and over and over again, set my people free. It's time for the Jews to move. And what we see in this moment is that God has heard And we also see that God cares, that he hears, that he actually responds to human misery. And I think this is really relevant for us right now. Because many of us, what we need to know is we need to know that the Lord hears us and sees us when we hurt. That he he understands oppression and pain and that he actually will do something about it. Now, I remember hearing once when I was a kid, uh, my grandmother would listen to gospel music. And there was a song that I actually remember because the words just rang in my ears then and they do now. There was a line that said, God may not be there when you want him, but he's always on time. And there's something I think the Lord wants us to see in this story. He wants us to understand that our pain is observed by him and he will act and do something about it. So today, if you're in pain, if you're facing some distress or uncertainty, I just want to say to you that I believe the Lord sees you and that there's always a terminus. There's always an end to our suffering. It's noteworthy that in some of the Psalms, the Jews would use an acrostic through the Hebrew alphabet to speak about suffering. And the thing about an alphabet is it begins and it ends. And the Jews would remember in that saying, suffering always comes to an end. You either get better or you die. And even in death, we know that God can hold us. So the first thing I think we sit with today is that Exodus reminds us that suffering always comes to an end. The second thing I think that's noteworthy here is that Moses told the Jews, go and select lambs for your families. And if you're a Christian, you see the echoes here of Jesus. Jesus, who is called the spotless lamb of God. Well, here the Jews were told, go find a lamb and select it and then slaughter it. See, animal sacrifice for the Jews was not new. 
Um, it goes all the way back to the beginning of our Bible. If you know at the very beginning of the Bible, you've got this idea that the, the first animal killed by God was to cover human shame. God made permanent clothes because people in their efforts to cover their shame could only do so with leaves and they would break and wear out. So here we see that God is through Moses commanding the Jews to slaughter an animal to provide for them in a way that they probably could not fully wrap their heads around or understand. And he said, when you slaughter the animal, paint blood over the lintel of the doorpost. And that leads us to the third idea. The Lord said, paint your door and stay inside. And so Moses commands the word of the Lord to the Jews. And I can only imagine if I put myself in the Jewish story here, they'd been in bondage for 430 years. That's what the text tells us. That's generational bondage and slavery. Not only did they not know what it looked like to be free, but their parents and their grandparents and their great-grandparents and their great-great-grandparents. This was a, a, a culture where no one had a vision for freedom. And so before they could walk free, the Lord said, slaughter the lamb, paint blood over your door, and stay inside. And when I think about the invitation for us as it relates to this, this invitation during the Lenten season to stay inside, if you will, to, to stand apart from the places we'd normally go and the things we'd normally do, I believe this is an invitation to repent. That word repent means to think about your thinking, and so what Moses is basically saying to his friends is, don't go where you were thinking of going tonight. Stay inside. And I can only imagine the fear and the uncertainty and the calamity that they were afraid was going to come. And yet God said to them, because of the slaughter of an animal, I have provided for you, but you've got to stay inside. You've got to stay under the covering of the blood, if you will. Y'all, this is an opportunity for us to see Jesus in this story to see a strong echo of Jesus, the spotless lamb of God who was slain for you and for me, who in a way that we would never really probably fully understand has done something for us to spare us. But y'all, we've got to stay inside. We've got to learn to live our lives under the covering, behind the door, if you will, of Jesus' sacrifice. And so the Jews stay inside. And I don't know that they really understood exactly what this was going to feel like or be like, and yet they know they must obey. And I believe that during this Lenten season, now is the time for us to obey the Lord. This is why fasting and obedience and repentance are so important. And I'll just say that I think there have been times in Trinity's past where we probably haven't talked about sin enough. For fear of sounding fundamentalist or being too harsh, we maybe haven't talked about the reality of sin and repentance enough. And I think there's an invitation here for us to say, Jesus, cover me. Jesus, uh, protect me. And that requires that you and me would step back from time to time, look at our own sin and say, God, you've done something for me to provide for me so that the destruction will not come to me. But it's interesting that before it happened, before the Passover occurs, before the angel of death comes, Moses tells the Jews to remember. He says, this will be a perpetual ordinance for you. And that leads us to the fourth thing here. Moses commands the Jews to remember with intentionality what God is about to do. And I just want you to stop and think. Before a thing happened, Moses says, in perpetuity, you're going to observe this ordinance and remember it. That's what's going to happen on Saturday, Passover, where Jews are going to remember this action to be faithful to what the Lord told Moses 
what Moses told the people. And I've been thinking about the importance of remembering a lot lately. And the reason why I've been thinking about it is because I will admit to you that I leak memory. And I don't just mean like where I put my keys. I mean, sometimes that's true. I think what I leak sometimes is a a memory of God's delivering acts, his power, his, his help. My, my awareness of God's power diminishes, especially when I'm under threat or feel discouraged or stressed out. And I bet the same is true for you. And so Moses' commandment to the Jews is, I believe, God's commandment to us. He would say, create structures that will help you remember what I have done in your life. So what are your structures for remembering? My wife and I actually, at the beginning of every year, we look back at the last year and we note what God has done we note the good stuff, the hard stuff, and we remember, we essentially memorialize it. And I don't know what that'll look like for you, but I think we all need intentional places of remembering. Because when trouble comes, when we find ourselves in a season like maybe the one we're in right now, if we haven't cultivated an imagination for remembering, we'll begin to go, God, where are you? God, have you ever done anything? We leak, so we need to remember on purpose. That leads me to the fifth thing. And this is the most troubling thing in the passage. Judgment and destruction come to Egypt. And a lot of us think, what kind of a God would allow the firstborn of all of Egypt to die? I've actually heard people say, how could God even conceive of such a thing? I need to say this to us. This is the 10th plague, not the first one, the 10th plague. And this loss of life only comes at the very, very end. After Pharaoh again and again and again has refused to hear the word of God. Even in this plague, Moses gave a warning. Pharaoh could have repented, but he chooses not to. Here's what I believe we're meant to see here. God cares about freedom from bondage so much that he will do violence to systems of demonic oppression in order to liberate his people. This is not about a God who joyfully rejoices in violence. This is about a God who is committed to freedom for the people of God. And if you've ever felt yourself languishing under the threat of oppression, it's comforting in that space to know that God cares so much about your freedom that he would set you free. See, I believe that this calamity was designed to set the Israelites free. And I also want to say this at the risk of being provocative. There is symmetry at play even in this act of judgment. This act of judgment of the firstborn child being killed in Egypt doesn't come from nowhere. It's not random and unpredictable. If you were with us a number of weeks earlier, what did the Egyptians do to the Jewish boys? They said, kill the boys and let the girls live. Moses himself was a a son under threat who had to be hidden and floated down a river in a basket. And in this moment, what God is doing is he's bringing a sense of balance and justice. He's saying an evil and demonic system did this. And so now we're going to take the firstborn sons of those who would not repent. And it's painful. But I just want to say to you, God's judgment is his principled response to wickedness. And it is designed to bring life and freedom to those who would trust him. Freedom is expensive. And so pain comes to Egypt. The thought in my 
ears as I try to place myself under the lintel of one of those Jewish households where Egyptians down the streets are losing their firstborn. The, the thought of the cries in the night, it just haunts me. But God cared enough to set his people free. And I want to say to you, God cares enough to set you free. God wants you to live as a free man, a free woman. And many of us, if we're honest, would admit that we experience places in life where we are living less than free. Addiction, bondage. We're slaves to so many things. We're less than free. And I believe that the Lord wants to say here, I care about your freedom. Do you know that God hears the cry of the oppressed? Whether it's a person who's been maybe subjugated to be a sex worker, who's brought from a long way away to a place where she's lost her freedom and her power, God sees that oppression. God knows that that person is an image bearer, belongs to him is a child made in his image. God sees you when we eat too much and drink too much. See, suffering and pain, it's like gas. It fills whatever container our life gives it. And the Lord sees it all. And so whether your bondage seems big to you or seems little, the Lord sees it. And he wants you to be a free person. He cares about that. And that's what the Exodus teaches us. Here's the last thing I'm going to say. The last thing I think we're invited to see here. Release comes when we least expect it. See, I don't think the Jews thought, well, now we're about to be free. There have been nine plagues. And now the tent, they're thinking, how long is this going to go on? And if you're anything like the Jews, and you are, we just think, how long is this going to go on? How long am I going to feel the way I feel? How long am I going to live less than free? And one of the things I love about this story is that just like that, they're free. Pharaoh, after not listening, decides to listen. And he even asks for a blessing. He's like, bless me too as you go. Now we know Pharaoh's going to regret those words. He's going to come after them. But in this moment, Pharaoh releases the Jews from captivity and they are ready. And I want to say this to you at the very end. Are you ready for what freedom would look like if it came to your life? See, the Jews had done their prep work. They were ready, even if they struggled to believe it would happen on this night. They knew it was gonna happen because Moses had told them so. And I wanna stand here as a brother in the Lord and tell you the Lord has designed you for freedom. Are you getting ready to live free? That's how we can follow the story of the Jews. Here's the remarkable thing about the Exodus. This moment of liberation was only the beginning of their journey. See, it's one thing to leave slavery. It's another thing to go home. And as we know, the Jews were going to have a long walk home. And when I think about my life and yours, I think about the, the fact that I'm walking a long walk home, that I'm not where I want to be, but by God's grace, I'm not where I was. And I think for many of us, the Lord wants you to see that he's done something to you and for you. You may not be where you want to be, but you're not where you were. And we got to remember that together. Before you can go home, you have to leave Egypt. Three questions I want to put in front of you. Maybe to ponder on your own or to journal or discuss in a group if you feel comfortable. One of these is a, 
uh, uh, maybe a vulnerable type of question, so you may not feel comfortable speaking super candidly, but I want to give them for your consideration. Number one, are there Egypt spaces inside you, places where you're living less than free? I want you to spend some time reflecting on those spaces, and if you feel safe talking about it, talk about those places of places where you're less than free to someone you trust. Number two, I want to invite you to ask this question, where do you see Jesus in this story? And don't just say the lamb. Let's think about what that lamb means, what the blood meant, what it, what it could mean for us to find Jesus in this story. And number three, reflect on a time when you experienced a sudden release from some difficult space or circumstance. What would it look like for God to move in a similar way in your life right now? You can hit pause on the screen and capture those questions if you'd like. We're going to pray the Lord's Prayer, but before we do, I just want to say a couple of things. Every Sunday and beginning this week, we're going to have two services in our parking lot, and we receive communion in our parking lot. If you're watching from home, you can come by during the week and grab communion elements. We'd love to get them to you so that at this point in the service, you could receive communion together uh, or by yourself. And also, we just want to say that um, gifts and tithes and offerings support our mission. But if you're a guest, please don't give. Everything's taken care of. We're so happy, thankful that you're here. But if you do belong to Trinity, you can visit atltrinity.org and give tithe and offering to us. I'm going to pray the Lord's Prayer and then we'll be done. We'll be finished. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God bless you.